Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, welcome everybody. This is Jeremy Evans. I'm the host of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. I have a very, very special guest and a wonderful friend, Fred Clare, who is the former general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers and uh, the last general manager of the Dodgers to win a World Series back in 1988. And he is a wonderful man and uh, known across the industry for his honesty and for uh, just being a really good person. And we connected a few years ago, and uh, I'm just so glad that he's on the show today, uh, which is uh, Monday, October 5th, and it's actually his birthday. So, um, so thank Fred for being on and, and, you know, definitely sing him a happy birthday. I won't do that on the show today, but uh, if you're home and listening in, definitely uh, wish, wish Fred a happy birthday. So today we're going to talk with, uh, with Fred Clare. We're going to bring him in here in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about his wonderful new book called Extra Innings. Fred Clare's journey to City of Hope and finding a world championship team. And uh, this was, I think, published back in July 2020. It's a brand new book. It's written with uh, Tim Madigan. And uh, so we'll bring Fred in and, and uh, welcome to the show, Fred. Jeremy, uh, great to be with you and great to be with you on my birthday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So the book, you know, one of the things that I got from it uh, was that obviously talks about, you know, your great career as the Dodgers uh, general manager and some of your, your, you know, your path to getting there, but even more importantly, um, obviously your struggle and, you know, sort of uh, uh, with cancer. And then of course, coming out of that. And then now you've got this great charity work that you're doing with the city of hope. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and, and, um, and sort of how it all came about? Well, Jeremy, um, it really started um, in 2016 when I was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, the cancer had come from a very small spot in on my lip, many days um, in the sun, uh, usually under a baseball cap at times, but nevertheless, um, sun can be a very uh, dangerous thing. And uh, so uh, I was uh, directed through uh, good advice to go to the City of Hope to see what I was dealing with. And it turned out to be what was described as a nasty cancer, squamous cell uh, carcinoma. And uh, the cancer spread into my jaw. So in 2016, when I was diagnosed, I had the uh, surgery to um, try to uh, capture, control the cancer. Um, and uh, so I underwent um, 33 radiations to my face, seven chemos, um, and the cancer came back, Jeremy, in my neck in the, the beginning of 2017. And it was only through um, immunotherapy 
that I was able to um, survive that battle. But when I saw the great work that the City of Hope was done, uh, I said to my wife, Cheryl, I, I want to do something. I, I want to help this great hospital that has given so much, that really has given additional life to me. And so we had um, two charity golf tournaments. Uh, many wonderful friends um, uh, turned out to uh, help us. We raised a half million dollars for the city of Hope. And uh, I wanted to see how we could expand that and had a conversation with a publisher that in turn had the conversation with City of Hope and therein started the journey for the book uh, Extra Innings and uh, with all net proceeds to City of Hope and bringing uh, additional awareness to City of Hope and all the great work that they do. So I wanted it to be a book about the people of the City of Hope and the people that I met through the City of Hope and fellow patients, I didn't want the book to be a Fred book. That book was written a number of years ago. And uh, I think the author who you mentioned, Tim Madigan, did a wonderful job in weaving the story of, um, of my career, but more importantly, how it um, became a, um, a part or the journey became a part of the City of Hope. Wow. Now I tell you, not too many people, Fred, have the, the, be able to live a life to where you can, you know, like yours, where you can win a championship for a team, but then also win a great battle in life. And, and um, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's really inspiring to hear that. So, you know, one of the things that I got from the book was this idea of, um, you know, when Tim was interviewing people and kind of interviewing you and going through different things, um, one of the things I got was just the admiration that people have for you, Fred, and, and, and really your consistency and the way that you treat people. And can you talk a little bit about that, like through your career, what has been sort of maybe like um, some tidbits you might want to share with people about um, sure you, how, you, how you found success and how you, you know, sort of develop relationships? Well, I was very, I've been very blessed, uh, Jeremy, and um, uh, strangely enough, or uh, uh, coincidentally, that uh, this interview takes place on October the 5th, but I was um, blessed with wonderful parents. I was blessed to grow up in a small town in Ohio, and um, I think the um, foundation of the things that I believe and my father um, uh, was not a pharmacist but he owned a little uh, drugstore and um, my uh, mother's uh, father had been a pharmacist and so my father um, went into um, the business of owning the drugstore. I saw the way that my dad treated people. Now, this is a small farming uh, community uh, and, and a, um, uh, a diverse uh, community in terms of, the, um, of the, uh, the makeup. And I saw people who would come in who uh, couldn't always pay for things. And my dad said, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll establish a tab. You, you, you need this. We will see that you uh, get this. 
and uh, I saw the way that he uh, he cared about people, and um, that uh, for whatever reason, uh, this the wonderful experience of seeing how he conducted himself had an influence on me, and uh, so I, I think that's a, a a big part. I think um, we're not all. Uh, blessed, uh, sadly, with uh, great parental leadership. But in our lives, if we're fortunate enough to uh, encounter friends and people and mentors who can be helpful, who have the right values of life, and, uh, and we have that association, that experience, I think we need to have be aware of all of that and uh, absorb and learn from all of that. Who is it that we um, respect here? Who, who is it that we want to um, try to emulate? And so that was really, I think, the foundation of it, uh, Jeremy, as um, I started my journey in life. I love that, Fred. It's, it's um... You know, it, it's so interesting because I had that same experience with you when we first met. It was, you know, um, and when we first connected, it was, you know, we, you responded to me and you had no obligation to, you know, and, and, you know, we became friends from that and were able to meet up and, and kept in touch over the years. And one of the parts of the book that uh, stood out to me was this idea of your moral code. And it was this idea of tell the truth, work hard, be humble and treat others with decency, decency and kindness. And, um, and that's obviously clear in your story about your dad and where you got that from. You know, it's funny, there was a couple stories in the book that I wanted to point out and would love to, uh, to talk about is one was this idea of back in the, I guess this would be in the, uh, in the eighties with Jay Howell, right? Um, and there was the story of sort of what went on with Jay and some of the struggles that he had and one of the things that the LA Times reporter Bill Plasky sort of pointed out was that you made sort of Jay come out and, and talk to the press and, and be front and center. Whereas maybe in more in today's world, you might hide behind an agent or an attorney. Can you talk about some of like the leadership that, you know, sort of you were trying to develop there and what was the kind of the story behind that? Well, it, um, your, your reference, Jeremy, is uh, to the uh, 1988 and the uh, championship series uh, when Jay, on a very uh, cold day, uh, Chase Adium, Harry Wendelstead, came out and discovered that, uh, Jer that uh, Jay had pine tar, which actually, in, in the game, uh, is not something, uh, uh, I guess the way, the way I should really word it is that it's usually accepted in cold days. It's not so much that you're gaining the advantage, you are gaining control of the, of the ball uh, to the extent that you're not going to have a ball slip away and hit somebody in the head. So it's uh, 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 generally accepted, but it doesn't, it's not within uh, the, the pure rules of the game. And uh, the Mets had uh, Davey Johnson had some awareness to what was happening, uh, called the attention of uh, Harry Wendelstead, the home plate umpire. And uh, Jay was removed from the game, as you know. 
and uh, the fans began to chant, chant uh, Dodgers cheat, Dodgers cheat. And um, it's a very emotional thing to be sitting there to be a part of a competitive team uh, because the last thing that you want to do in any game of competition is to cheat and have that being chanted. And so I went into the clubhouse and uh, told Tommy to um, get Jay to his office and to get Ron Paranoski, the pitching coach. And I said, look, because at that time I wasn't sure of uh, all the details of what was taking place. And I said, um, look, whatever happened, uh, whatever's taken place here, first of all, we are in this together. But more important than that, when the press comes to us and when the league office comes to us, we will be totally transparent. Whatever happened, happened, and we will own it. And uh, we will not avoid it. Uh, we are together and we will take uh, ownership of this. And, um, uh, and we did. And as it turned out, uh, Jay was uh, suspended for two games I did appeal to um, the uh, league office and it was reduced to one game. Jay was really um, heartbroken because he felt that he had really let the team down and was, uh, he was a uh, fighter and he came back and we came back. But I think Jeremy, the, the part of that that's so important is to, um, to be transparent in all that we do, the profession that you're in. The most important thing that any of us have is our credibility. And we can all make mistakes. We all do, in fact, make mistakes. But if we're not honest, if we don't, uh, are not transparent about it, and if we don't try to overcome that, then we're truly uh, lost. And uh, so that's, um, uh, that was a, uh, 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 an episode, uh, I think that I guess does uh, exemplify my approach to it, um, was simply to be uh, honest about it. And it was to play out later, Jeremy, without getting off track, uh, when uh, the Fox executives traded Mike Piazza and came to me, basically, uh, the ownership, and said, we want you to say you made this trade. I said, you got the wrong guy here. Right. It's not as if I haven't made a bad trade. I think the record reflects that I've made a bad trade or two. But if you think that I'm going to lie to uh, the public and to the media, uh, you have the wrong guy. I, I will tell, uh, and I hadn't thought so much about this, but it was very much the case with Jay. I, I will tell the story exactly what took place and I will live with the uh, the consequences of that. I love that Fred and that that I think again like you said it exemplifies your character I think it's reflected in um, in your wonderful book Extra Innings Fred Clare's Journey to the City of Hope and Finding a World Championship Team um, and it really kind of reaches back a little bit to your former book which was Fred Clare, my 30 years in Dodger Blue, uh, which was with Steve Springer. Um, and I think one of the main stories I remember from our, one of our first conversations was about Piazza, because I had written an article about that trade. And I think it was like, 
the five worst trades in baseball history, right? <laughs> I think we put Piazza on there. But we had this great conversation about how it was really the, the, the Fox executives and the corporation side of it when the team was owned by Fox Corporation that really forced that trade and it wasn't you. Um, and sort of how we went through that and, uh, and I love that. And it's such a great, a great story. Fred, if we could sort of go back to one of the things that I always love to hear, and I'm sure the listeners would love to hear is, and I know you've worked in education a little bit as well and done some teaching, is maybe talk about your career path from how you got started in baseball and then how you ended up as uh, you know, world champion with the Dodgers in 88, and which is really timely because um, you know, obviously the playoffs are going to be starting tonight or, uh, or started or continuing tonight and, um, and sort of uh, Dodgers are obviously, you know, the best team in baseball, best record. So we can kind of talk a little about your, uh, your career and where you got started and um, how you ended up as a world champion. Well, Jeremy, the, uh, after Dodger days, um, as you know, one of the things that I wanted to do was to, uh, was to teach to use my experience to help others who had an interest in um, the business world of sports where I had had uh, such joy uh, and, and had uh, just felt that um, I, I just had such a great opportunity. And so I was uh, fortunate to um, start with USC at the Annenberg School, class titled Sports Business and the Media to help start the uh, sports management program, graduate program at Long Beach State. Uh, and um, then in my uh, last uh, service in education, to have the uh, great honor to teach the first sports business class at Caltech. And I, I mentioned those um, in, in answering your question only for the um, the, the, the thread that I had there, the main theme that I had there, which really related to my own life. And that theme and that thread was always follow your passion. Growing up in a small town in Ohio, loving sports uh, and wanting to make that a part of my life, I, I can remember thinking even as a very young guy, what will my life be like without sports, without uh, playing basketball, without playing baseball, without being part of it? And so I, I knew early on that I wanted to stay connected. And I, um, I realized as I got into uh, high school, certainly, that my athletic talent wasn't going to extend my uh, right. career other than um, as a coach. And I gave a lot of thought to that. And uh, if uh, fate had been different, I may very well have ended up as a high school basketball coach. And I think I would have had great, great joy in that. No, no one knows where that road would have ended, whether it would have ended as a high school basketball coach or whether, whether it would have ended at some other level of basketball. Um, but um, my family moving to California, uh, being exposed to uh, different uh, opportunities in education, having an interest in journalism and writing, and then um, 
going to uh, ultimately after two years of junior college to San Jose State as a journalism major and graduate and starting my career in the newspaper world. And that in turn led me uh, to the Dodgers and covering the Dodgers and then in 1969 to have a chance to become the publicity director of the Dodgers. And from publicity director, I went to vice president of public relations and promotions to executive vice president and then to ultimately executive vice president and general manager. But it was, it was the area where I had a, a true passion and, and actually uh, I had a great passion for writing and felt very blessed to uh, become a sports editor of the Pomona paper at a very young age and have opportunity even then to cover not only high school sports, college sports, but the Dodgers, the Rams and the Lakers. So I, I think we, in life, uh, what I've always tried to teach is, what is it you enjoy? What, what, what do you, you want to do? What brings you joy? We, we all can't be lawyers. We all don't want to be lawyers. We all can't be, what it, work for the bank. Um, uh, it may be something that's mechanical, it, it, whatever it may be. I think we know what brings us joy. And so um, that was um, what I lived, and that is what I uh, continue to, uh, to teach and to be driven by the passion of it and the joy of it, because I, I really believe that um, the financial part of it will um, take care of itself. We have certain obligations, but I think to look at um, simply at it from uh, what am I going to be paid um, is the wrong way to examine it. Right. No, I love that, Fred. And um, I think, again, it just goes back to the whole thing about uh, like you've, you've told me for years, you know, follow your passion. And it's so funny. Um, I've really in many ways tried to emulate my career and somewhat after yours, you know, doing the writing, using your skills and your talents uh, and following your passion, you know, um, and to become the GM and all your sort of successes, it's amazing, but it's also even better to see you give back and to the city of hope and some of the work that you've done there. Um, and again, a great book, uh, extra innings. I hope everybody checks it out. So Fred, if we could sort of as in the last segment, talk a little bit about um, the 1988 season, obviously the playoffs are upon us. And uh, the Dodgers had a great record at 43 and 17. They're looking like the favorites. Um, what does it take to sort of build a championship team? And can you kind of talk about the 88 season for us? And I know you talked about it in your books, um, but kind of tell our listeners a little bit about that season and how you ended up as champions. I think the, uh, the key part of uh, – of any championship team, uh, when you look at, uh, at truly great teams, uh, what you see uh, clearly enough is not only uh, great players, uh, but even more important, great people, character, people of character. And 
when I first joined the Dodgers and uh, we started the old timers game, that gave me the opportunity to know and to be with and to become friends with people like Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson and Roy Campanella and Don Newcomb and Duke Snyder and the Boys of Summer. Uh, as remarkable as those players were, I talked to Carl Erskine just last week. He said, Fred, you know, um, on that team said, think about it, there were five Hall of Fame players that I played with. Well, there were even more Hall of Fame people. And I always tried to put an emphasis, I always wanted to know as a general manager, tell me, what is the player about? We, we, we can assess the talents. We have great scouts that can assess talent. We have great people in uniform, the manager and the coaches that can assess talent. What, what is the player all about? You know, one of the people that I turned to quite often was Jim Muey. Dodger fans don't know the name of Jim Muick for the most part. He was the visiting clubhouse man. Who knows more about the player on the other team than the guy who's there as the visiting clubhouse man who sees the guy come in, player come in, who knows whether he's early or late, who knows whether he may be hung over, who knows how he gets along with his teammates, who know how he prepares himself for the game. Jim Muick may have been one of the greatest scouts in Dodger history, <laughs> uh, knowing to everyone. Uh, uh, so I, I placed a great emphasis and when we looked and the first player uh, Jeremy that, that I signed on my first day on the job uh, was uh, Mickey Hatcher uh, who had been released by the Minnesota Twins I knew Mickey Hatcher I knew Mickey Hatcher from his previous time with the Dodgers I, I knew Mickey Hatcher in the way that he played the game, was a great teammate, cared about the game. I didn't know in 1987 that he was going to be a hero of the 1988 World Series. My vision isn't that good, but it was, it was good enough to know who Mickey Hatcher was. I knew who um, John Shelby was. I knew who John Shelby was because I sent a scout, the great Mel Didier, into Rochester, New York, and saw this guy who had been sent down from the big leagues, who was the first guy on the field, on a freezing field in Rochester, New York, and how he was preparing uh, for the day and getting ready and hoping to get back to the major leagues. I knew who Jay Howe was and the competitor that he was. Uh, I knew who Rick Dempsey was because he had been um, run over by Bo Jackson at home plate in 87 and nearly buried at home plate, um, but uh, cared enough to come into my office in the off season, literally begging for a chance to play. I knew who Kirk Gibson was because I knew him through our scouts. I knew him through the great scout, Dale McReynolds, who told me about his character. The most underrated part, all of the analytics in baseball today, you can take them all. And I was part of a company, as you know, Jeremy, I know that field. Nothing, nothing is more important than the character of a person. Nothing is more important than the character of a player and how he becomes a part of a team. And what's been wonderful, 30 years later, a Zoom call recently with Kirk, with Jay Howe, with Mickey Hatcher. You know the point that Mickey Hatcher made on the Zoom call? It's probably recorded someplace. 
I, I want you to know that the eight of us in this Zoom call are not the sole contributors to what we accomplished. This was a team mentioning others, including um, the late Mike Sharperson and the late Tim Cruz and Kurt Gibson saying and believing and knowing in his heart, anyone could have hit that home run. It happened to be me. So what will emerge in this off season, and it'll be a fascinating off season, with tremendous pressures in the, in the start with, in a three-game series, uh, really unheard of uh, in baseball, but what we're experiencing is unheard of. What will emerge will be a team that comes together, goes through this journey together, and, um, and, and when they win the uh, championship, it should be acknowledged as a true championship because what these players of today have been through, God bless them and honor them as world champions uh, when that time comes. Yeah, no, thanks, Fred. That's uh, really well said and such a fascinating journey um, that you've had. And again, folks, the, the book is Extra Innings, Fred Clare's Journey to City of Hope uh, and Finding a World Championship Team. He's also, um, his previous book was um, uh, uh, My 30 Years in Dodger Blue, which was also a bestseller. You know, it, it's so interesting. Um, you know, you look at your history, uh, Fred, and, and uh, you're too humble to brag, but I'll do it for you. And you were the fifth GM in history for the Dodgers, following uh, Larry McPhail, Branch Rickey, the iconic Branch Rickey, Walter O'Malley, and Buzzy Bavese. And, and obviously we've had a few general managers since then. And now obviously front offices are completely different from what they were, um, you know, where you've got analytics departments of, you know, 25 to 50 people now, but I love your point about character being the most important part, right? Because you could have all the analytics in the world, which is great and important. And obviously your work, you know, with that, I've done some work obviously in analytics, but it's like you said, it's, it's character because if you have bad character on a team, it's you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, there's not going to be a gelling of the team. There's not going to be, um, you know, really a push forward. And I agree with you on the point too about, um, you know, you talk about a tough season, you know, having to play in sort of a semi bubble and trying to figure all that stuff out is um, is just really crazy. And one of the last things that I wanted to to talk about, Fred, before. Um, before I let you go, we've got about a few minutes left is, you know, back in 87, there was the, and obviously this is timely for today, but we had the Al Campana situation. And I think, um, you know, obviously it was something to where if anybody doesn't know, he came on TV and made some, um, some really what, I guess what people would refer to as maybe, uh, some jaw dropping comments. Um, and what was interesting about that is you're the way that you handled that, you know, that was, you know, essentially your first year on the job. And right after he was, I think right after he made those comments, you were brought in. And, but what was great was obviously you were a character person. The team saw that they saw about your work ethic. They brought you in, you would not been involved in player trades, but clearly you knew how to put together a good team based on character. But what I thought was really cool about the way that you and the Dodgers handled that situation was instead of, ostracizing Campanis and pushing him out, you invited him in and you said like, you know, we need to have these people a part of what 
we're doing because um, instead of pushing people out, we need to invite them in to have the conversation. Can you kind of talk about how the organization handled that and, and your involvement with that? Well, Al was a, uh, a great contributor uh, to the game of baseball. And those who knew him, uh, including Jackie Robinson uh, and Rachel uh, and uh, Don Newcomb and Lou Johnson and Tommy Davis and Tommy Lasorda and many, many and all the people in the organization. Al made a major mistake, and this is covered in my book, Fred Clare, My 30 Years in Dodger Blue of trying to defend the game of baseball when there was no defense. Because the question was, Mr. Campanis, why aren't there more, whatever the wording was, minorities, blacks, whatever it was in the day of the question. And Al tried to defend that position. People try to defend that position today it's indefensible why aren't there more opportunities you couldn't defend it then and you can't defend it today and the only path is to try to correct and improve and be better today than we were yesterday and so with al my memories of al uh, he said, um, I talked to him when he was at the airport in Houston about to fly back to Los Angeles with Peter O'Malley after he had submitted his resignation. I'll never forget what he said. He said, Fred, he said, um, I wish you, wish you could have been with me with the interview because Al didn't tell anybody he was going on because maybe I could have prepped him from the standpoint that this is going to be an important interview in terms of the celebration of Jackie's at the time, 40th anniversary of breaking the color barrier. Um, but uh, I knew who Al was and I can remember when uh, a call, when he called me from his home in Fullerton he said, Fred, uh, you know, here in my office, there's a picture of Jackie Robinson behind my desk, and I'll remember my words. And I've shared these very infrequently. I said, Al, you don't have to tell me who you are. I've known you for 20 years. Al judged people by, and certainly in the game, by their talent, and I had seen him and his work in the Dominican Republic and how he cared about people. He, he made a huge mistake and he paid a huge price. But uh, I cherish my friendship with Al. And um, one of the things that I wanted to be sure at our golf tournaments was that the Campanus family was included. And so uh, Jimmy Campanus and his son, Jim, uh, Al's grandson, who's become uh, the Campanis family I feel very close to. And I've spent quite a bit of time with Al's grandson and uh, have tried to help guide him in some of the things in baseball because uh, I want to see the Campanis uh, legacy of all that Al contributed uh, to continue to be a part 
of the game because uh, it's important. So um, we um, many of the things that um, transpired uh, related to Al and related to um, uh, the occasion of Jackie breaking into the big leagues comes full circle. And in fact, as I think about it, uh, at the um, the dinner at our uh, last uh, uh, golf tournament, I sat with uh, Jim Campanis and um, and Don Buford. But I would leave it, uh, Jeremy, with these words uh, spoken by Jackie. I think that. Um, are the most meaningful words today to me uh, and the most meaningful words that I can think of as related to my journey at the City Hope and seeing their great work. They are the words that I wanted on our uh, Celebration of Life Award at our golf tournaments. Uh, the award first given to Rod Crew and then to Tommy Lasorda. And the words inscribed on that trophy were the words, the reason I really wanted the trophy was I wanted the words by Jackie. A life is not important except on the impact it has on other lives. And if all of us heed those words today, in today's world, in today's challenges, remember those and let those words guide us, uh, we will all be much better. Fred, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. And it's one of my favorite quotes. And for what it's worth, Fred, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the call with me, but you've had an impact on my life. And I consider you a dear friend and, um, and a real honor that you were able to come on and talk with me today. And I think the listeners are really going to love this show, um, you know, having you on. So, Thanks again, Fred. Um, again, the, the book, um, I hope folks go and check it out. And it's, uh, um, it, it really sort of is a, is a fantastic book. And, and I think, um, you know, I think it really sort of speaks to Fred's, uh, Fred's life. Uh, I think it speaks to Fred's, um, you know, his involvement with, with the Dodgers and also with the City of Hope. And again, it's extra innings. Fred Clare's journey to city of hope and finding a world championship team. And it's written with, with uh, Jim Madigan. So um, happy birthday to you, Fred. I really appreciate you coming on. And I just, in a, in a funny note, I hope that um, I can have the nice, nice head of hair that <laughs> head of hair that you have. <laughs> as, 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 as I get, as I, as, as I, as I grow older through life. It truly is a, it's a, if people haven't seen Fred's hair, you got to check it out. It's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all real. Uh, yeah, Jeremy. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I don't know why, but it's, uh, it's real hair and it's the real color and it turned gray all too soon. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, thanks again, Fred. You're, you're awesome. I really do appreciate you and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Jeremy, we will stay in touch and continued success uh, to you. And uh, I appreciate the time that um, uh, you've given us to uh, talk about the extra innings in the city of hope. And those who do um, uh, purchase the book or have an opportunity to read the book, 
you would care to post a review on Amazon, that would mean a great deal because we're trying to bring awareness and funds to City Hope, all net proceeds to City Hope through the book Extra Innings. And the reviews mean a lot because the reviews speak to the very thing that I want the reviews to speak to. It's summarized, you can see it there. City of Hope, wow, must be quite a place because indeed it is. Thank you, Fred. All right, thank you everybody for listening in. This has been Fred Clare with Jeremy Evans on a special interview uh, with the former Dodgers general manager and a great man. Thanks again, Fred, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.